picture on the screen of, of John F. Kennedy that many of you will recognize. Now, JFK had this phrase, he said, never overestimate what you can do in one year and never underestimate what you can do in 10 years. And actually the Mind and Soul story has been going for about 10 years. Um, I at that time was um, an elder at a Baptist church in Leeds and also doing my higher training in psychiatry. So I would do one thing Monday to Friday, one thing on Sunday. And that's, I guess, many of your experiences here today. It may be that you know, church, yes, you know perhaps what Christianity is, but how does that relate to your day job as a mental health practitioner? How does that relate to the experience the rest of the week as perhaps you struggle with your own mental illness or you are perhaps the carer for someone who's got a mental health problem or you're a pastoral worker in your church? How do those two things join up? So I started blogging about this mainly for my own amusement, if that's the right word. And um, on the next slide, we've just got the, the Mind and Soul blog logo. So this is what I was blogging under about 10 years ago. It's a bit old school from that point of view, but um, that started. And to my amazement, people were actually quite interested in this. They actually started reading it, liking things, posting it. I mean, it was the late 90s, early 2000s, so blogging was, was kind of what you did, but it really helped me in, in my thinking. And um, a little while after this, met up with um, a friend of mine, a guy called Derek, who produced these two amazing logos. This was the very first Mind and Soul logo, the, the eye, the rainbow eye that, that sees into the soul, but with hope and God's promise of hope. So this was the very first Mind and Soul logo that was, was there on the blog. And another little picture there he did underneath the light bulb. Um, six years ago, I said that we were in, in this building, and the next thing that happened was that we teamed up with, with Premiere, and those are the initial logos there from Premiere, and just underneath that, also the very first Mind and Soul logo, the, the next slide there. And this was a great partnership, because a couple of years before, I'd hooked up with Will van der Hart, who was an old friend of mine from university. He'd been involved in the London bombings when he was the curate at this church, and the Edgware Road bomb was just over there. So Will had his own experience of post-traumatic stress disorder and as, as a vicar, his training didn't cover that. His training didn't tell him anything about how to understand. I mean, you weren't meant to have emotions. He was an Anglican, you know. <laughs> so, so, you know, what do you do with these kinds of things? So I'd hooked up with Will. We'd started a bit of blogging together and then we hooked up with Jonathan Clark, who will be speaking after lunch. Um, to, to really begin Premier Mind and Soul. And we, we kicked off with the conference in this building about six years ago and just advertised it and anyone and everyone came. And can I just say, it's so lovely to have you all here today. It's, it's also really encouraging that this conference booked up quite early on. You know, there have been a few tickets sold today, but actually most people were booking on. People wanted to come here. Often the experience with conferences is that... Um, Half the people book in, but half people turn up on the day, and a week before, you haven't got a clue if you're going to have a full house. We've always been so blessed to put these events on and for there to be lots of energy and activity in the room. And, and thank you so much. And just a bit of audience participation. Who has come, first of all, and most importantly, who has come from outside London? Put your hand up if you're from outside London. Excellent. I escaped from London about 20 years ago, so congratulations. Has anyone come from outside the home counties, like beyond the Watford Gap? Few of you. Anyone from Scotland? Hey, a few from Scotland. Fantastic. That's what I live in Edinburgh. My my lovely wife Susanna stole me away there um, about seven years ago. Anyone from outside the UK? Anyone come from overseas? Where have you come from, sir? Paris. Very executive. It's so exciting, isn't it? Anyone else over there? Someone? No, no, that's fine. But it's, oh, there's someone at the back. Yes, shout it out. 
US, brilliant. So a truly, a truly international crowd. And if you look at the stats from, it is, isn't it? Very, very cosmopolitan. But if you look at the stats from the Minosaur website, stuff is downloaded all over the world. It's been translated into to different languages. It's so exciting to see that because there is such a huge need for this. There's a huge need in, in the church. Um, a couple of things have happened more recently, just the last couple of slides, is we've sort of rebranded, Premier have rebranded, relaunched, and we've got a shiny new website, which, just one more slide, you'll be able to see um, later on today, and many of you will have, have booked through that as well. So all of the resources will be available there. But I wonder, just a question mark, what happened? happens next? What's going to be the story over the next 10 years? Because I think we've done a huge amount in 10 years. You know, I started writing on my own in my study, you know, 2004, something like that. Here we are 10 years later. I think things are changing. I think the attitudes to mental health problems are changing both in the church and outside the church. And there's some evidence of that. I think one of the things, for example, Nick Clegg, um, the Deputy Prime Minister, was talking about how mental health services are chronically underfunded and how he wants to double the funding available to mental health problems, which is, uh, which is really exciting, I think. You know, this is 20% of the illness in the country. It gets about 10% of the funding. We need to change that. The BBC website have got fantastic resources. Ruby Wax has sort of led and pioneered a whole bunch of stuff. There is stuff out there that is about anti-stigma, about encouraging, about being normal, about being real. Um, the Time to Talk campaign has had some fantastic resources um, each day with an anti-mental health challenge day. And actually, um, a couple of things have happened only this week. So the first thing on the right-hand side there is that yesterday was, was World Mental Health Day. And different focuses. This yesterday it was all about living with schizophrenia, which for many people is an illness that starts in their 20s and will be with them for much of their lives. It costs the UK taxpayer almost £5 billion a year to pay for schizophrenia. It costs almost £4 billion a year to pay for bipolar affective disorder. That is more than cancer. That is more than heart disease if you put those two together. These are problems that we need to be addressing in our society. And um, Catherine Welby-Roberts also was on, on Newsnight, I think on, on Tuesday night, talking about how things are changing for the better, but also saying we still need to do more work in the church. And we're going to be um, interviewing Catherine after lunch. One thing I need to tell you today is that we've had a bit of a change to our program. Kate Middleton, who was going to speak just before lunch, unfortunately has been taken ill and is currently in hospital at the moment. So, so please, please pray for her. Um, we hope that she is getting better just with an infection. So please pray for her, but she can't be with us today. But what we've done is we've moved the program around a little bit. Arianna Walker from Mercy Ministries is going to be delivering, rather than just a short interview, she's going to be delivering a full keynote on masks, the masks we wear. She's going to be doing that before lunch, and I think that will fit well with Will's talk on perfectionism. After lunch, um, Will's going to be interviewing Catherine Robbie Roberts, and then we'll run the afternoon as planned, Will's talk after the worship as planned as well. Some themes keep on emerging. I just want to sort of highlight some of these themes at the start of the day. The first theme that keeps on emerging is that we need to be making the church a place which is welcoming for people with emotional and mental health problems. Just pop the next slide there, Josh. There. This is a, a painting by a guy called Peter Housen, who's, who's one of the Glasgow boys, one of the artists from there. It's a painting of the third step of Alcoholics Anonymous. And for those of you who know the AA mantra, the first step is, you know, I am an alcoholic. The second step is, I cannot help myself. The third step is, so I turned myself over to a higher power, to God as I understood him. And 
Interestingly, the, the alcoholic here, if that's the right word, is crawling out from underneath the gravestone. And he's not looking up towards the higher power. He's looking at the church. And I still believe in this country. Some people say it's a post-Christian country. I still say, well, actually, there's still a church on most street corners. There's still a church in prominent places in our towns and cities. So we need to make sure that when people with struggles look to the church, they find an environment which is educated, not stigmatizing, welcoming, etc. And that's why the whole work that Mind and Soul and other people do, making churches mental health friendly, is, is so important. And in past conferences, we focused on that. But it's also more than that. I think that the next slide, this is just a, a picture of um, a nice sunrise, no particular reason why. But I believe also that if we think that God lives here in the altar, perhaps we've got it sort of back to front, that everyone is out there, comes into church, and God's in the altar. God's not in the altar. The worship band are. No. Um, but... <laughs> But, you know, we should be doing it the other way. We should be, there should be some, some teaching from the platform. We should be celebrating in the church. And then we should be going out, shining our light into the city, shouldn't we? And one of the really exciting things is as churches get better at talking and equipping, churches often have counselors already who do amazing counseling workshops. Um, one of the things we've been working with recently, um, just pop the next couple of slides up there, living life to the full with God. This is Chris Williams' Living Life to the Full online cognitive behavioral therapy resource has been adapted for the church, the Christian environment, very gently, just a few Bible verses and so on put in there. It's a course you can run in your church. You can run it without the God bit if you want to. You can run it like a debt course or a money management course or something. You can, you can run it for the local community and you can help the people around us. The second thing we've been doing is partnering with Livability and the, um, they've been doing a lot making churches dementia friendly and um, Catherine will talk a little bit more after lunch about a project we're going to be doing with Livability to talk about an access pack for churches that churches will feel equipped how to raise the topic a sample sermon, um, some basic fact sheets about basic emotional problems. So watch out next year for the Mental Health Access Pack. And I think most excitingly, I think from my point of view as someone who works for the NHS, is beginning to work with the NHS. Sometimes around the country we've done conferences jointly with the NHS. I think, I think the government, NHS, are well aware they cannot solve the nation's mental health problems, nor should they be trying to. But... The church is actually equipped with the time, the resources, not necessarily always the money, but hopefully little bits of that, if they can work with government in ways that are acceptable, to actually extend the work. It, the National Health Service perhaps is more the National Sickness Service. Perhaps we need to sort of say it's focusing on people who are, who are sick, like Katie's at the moment, for example. But actually, the National Health is our job, it's all of our jobs, it's society's job, isn't it? And the church has a huge part to play in that. So big themes there about improving the church, about improving the um, cities that we live in. But today is sort of taking a slight step beyond that, is to sort of think about, well, what is, what is peace? What does it mean to have inner peace? Christians claim to have answers to some of that problem. Psychologists claim to have answers to some of that problem. Um, the, the next picture is just a painting by, by John Martin. This is in, in the Tate, a triptych about the last judgment. And this one is the plains of heaven. And I guess it's quite a nice picture, isn't it? I could have picked more or less any picture. But the idea is that this is peace where perhaps we might want to end up. And one of the hopes of today is that um, these four topics we're covering, so guilt, the masks we wear, worry, and um, perfectionism are, are going to help you gain an understanding of peace. But it's going to be one that 
is going to be delivered with the mind and soul theme. So it's going to be psychological and spiritual. It's going to be not a, a swift transformation, but perhaps more of an upstream struggle. It, the haven is, is going to be a destination and a port to aim for in the storm, but it is one that will secure and last. And you'll probably hear us talking a lot about how these things fit together, the mind and the soul. Perhaps the and is the most important word. And it is one, I believe, the plains of heaven, as the old hymn says, is where the anchor holds beyond the veil. But there is a veil at the moment, isn't there? We're, we're still sort of here, now but not yet, etc. We're still working through, so we want to try and give you some, some tools to do that. And perhaps as we start, we could just, just pray and then we'll have a bit of worship. Let's just pray for those who are in peril on the sea. My great-great-great-grandfather was one of the founders of the RNLI, the Royal National Lifeboat Institute. So there's a, a, a picture here of some people who might need a lifeboat at some point soon. Perhaps I want to just pray very quickly as we start, and then I'll just ask the band to come up. This is for those whom the wind seems to keep blowing back. And I pray, Lord, that today we might gain some knowledge of seamanship to better steer and to better travel. I want to pray that people might find some friends to, to journey with, maybe people they meet today, maybe people they, they meet through other resources, that they can be encouraged and supported. And Lord, most importantly, we pray that with enough wind, enough wind from the Spirit of God, that we can pilot into that secure and final and perfect haven of peace. So Lord, thank you. Please be with us today. Please be with, with Kate as she is in hospital. Please be with people who are just finishing off their traveling to get here today. And um, we, we thank you already, Lord, for the blessings we know that will come from today. Amen. <laughs> 